You're listening to the Ruby on Rails podcast. You're listening to episode 440 and I'm your co-host, Brittany Martin. And I'm your co-host, Gemma Isruff. Gemma, welcome back from your world tour. I am dying to know how Kaigi and Yuruko went. Got back yesterday from Yuruko. It feels like it's been a busy couple months with both conferences, but I was so glad to have gone. Really, really glad. And especially to see just different experiences of what a conference looks like. So I kind of know what the vibe of Kaigi would be like, but experienced extreme FOMO over not being at Yuruko. What is that conference like? Yeah, so it's a lot bigger than I anticipated, actually. It was about 700 people, a single track. So that means there's only one talk happening at a given time and a two-day conference. So it's, I guess the speaker to attendee ratio is really different than a RubyConf or a RailsConf. It's few talks overall, just over two days, but a ton of people. And it's people from all over Europe. So I think everyone's just really excited to be there, excited to be back together. And it's interesting being at a single track conference because everyone's heard the exact same talks. I love single track conferences. I think that we're seeing a resurgence of them. And I end up seeing a lot of talks that I normally wouldn't have picked. Yeah, I think it's that. I think it's also... In a multi-track conference, you inevitably leave the conference feeling like you've missed some talk that you heard was really great. And so there's a bit of, I was at the conference, but I didn't get to see this great thing because I was watching another talk, whereas a single track, you see the entire conference. Yeah, I always feel that, you know, obviously Ruby's doing quite well, you know, in North America, but I've always gotten the vibe that like Ruby in particular is thriving in Europe. So I think Yuruko would be really cool. And my understanding, too, is that Yuruko changes locations every time, which I also think is really neat. Yeah, it changes locations and the entire organizing staff, actually. So how that happens is uh, folks from a specific city in Europe can put in a bid and they put a kind of pitch, like almost lightning talk style for their city at the conference. And then everyone votes and whoever wins, they just organize it in their city the following year. Oh, that's so cool. I happened to see the tweet where I saw a list of cities for next year. And honestly, all of those cities sound like bucket list cities. So I might need to try to make Yuruko work next year. Yeah, it'll be in Vilnius in Lithuania. Oh, wow. (laughs) That sounds so exotic. (laughs) (laughs) Any particular talks from the two conferences that really like struck a chord with you or any sort of community interactions that really struck home for you? Yeah, definitely, definitely. First, we had a WNB.RB meet up and I was expecting just a handful of people. There really weren't a lot of women at the conference. And we ended up with like 40 people or so, many of whom hadn't heard of WNB.RB. So that just felt really wonderful. And I think many of whom were feeling a little isolated at the conference. And then having us all just in one room together made them feel a lot more comfortable and getting to talk to them and getting to share things with them was really wonderful. In terms of talks, Mel Kalfus gave a talk. I think it was called Applying SRE Principles to CI and CD. She works at BuildSite and she was speaking about how BuildSite thinks of SLOs, SLIs, error budgets, and so on. I think that's definitely worth a watch if you're looking to watch a talk from Yuruko. So you ended up giving the same talk at both Kaiji and Yuruko, correct, about object shapes? And actually ended up being a slightly different version of a talk on object shapes. Yeah, so I've given now three different versions of talks on object shapes (laughs) that kind of change at each giving. 
So I'm so curious, what is the current status of object shapes? Because we had the episode where you explained the proposal and I've been trying to follow along with the issue that you created. But, you know, I saw that Aaron's also going to give a talk about it at RubyConf Maine. So where is it at? Yeah. So I didn't want to post too publicly about this in case we reverted it or anything, but it actually merged last week, which is really exciting. Yeah. The kind of the main branch we were working on merged a few days before you would go, which was great. And then Aaron and I are going to continue work on optimizing it and improving it hopefully before Ruby 3.2 releases. Yeah. And like you said, he'll be giving a talk on it too, which is fun. Okay. So you're telling me then your work will be gifted to the community in Ruby 3.2 on Christmas Day? Yes. Oh, All those things. <laughs> I know it is really, it's really, really exciting to have something. Is this your first major, major feature that's going into Ruby that will probably have articles written about it? My first big feature that's going into Ruby, which is incredibly exciting. You said that you were going to need to optimize the code before it goes. Does that mean it's going to go out into an alpha release and you're going to be asking these bigger companies to give it a try? And then do you also have documentation tasks that you need to do before the feature's fully wrapped? No. So I guess Ruby gets preview releases, but there aren't really alpha releases or things like that. There's just the major new version that gets released on Christmas. So there are different companies, and this is actually, if your company's looking for a way to get involved, this is definitely something helpful you can do. There are different companies who run their CI on Rubyhead, so on whatever has been merged to Ruby. And then we'll report back if they find anything. So we know by now kind of it works on Shopify CI, it works on GitHub CI and a few other companies who run their CI against Rubyhead. So in terms of optimizations, like performance is great. It was good enough to merge, but there are things we want to clean up a little. And yeah, documentation is pretty good in the code base. I want to write maybe some blog posts about it or document it more publicly, but that's where it's at. Well, that's definitely your strong suit for sure. So at Textus, we just upgraded to 3.1. So my understanding is if Object Shapes makes it into final 3.2, when we upgrade to 3.2, what kind of difference might we see? Yeah, Object Shapes will, will make it in. At this point, we're pretty pretty confident. So the end user isn't going to see, I mean, you'll see hopefully a small performance improvement across getting and setting instance variables and things like that, but it's not a pattern matching or reactors or something like that where you can interact with the new feature. It's one of those, I guess we would think of it in developing our own applications as a performance improvement or similar to maybe security improvements where the end user isn't really seeing a new feature, but the code is getting better and easier for them behind the scenes. Okay, so if you use a monitoring tool, is there a possibility that when you upgrade to 3.2 and release that out to production and you're under some sort of load, you might actually see a drop in those charts? Yeah, you should with every Ruby version. The hope is that performance improves, right? That's a good reason to do your upgrades is you'll get better performance and better security and things like that. And so Object Shapes is going to be one of a few things in 3.2 that should be looking better. And then also Object Shapes helps JIT quite a bit. So why JIT specifically was kind of the main driver of why we did object shapes. And so we're going to continue to work on actually integrating it fully with YJIT and setting it up there. And then hopefully as JITs continue to improve and become more widely adopted, users will see benefits there as well. Exciting. Now, do you have any idea what you'll move on to next? 
I don't know yet. I've been thinking a little around measurement in Ruby and how we're thinking about how Ruby is used, but also measuring performance within the Ruby code base and things like that, how we look at it and think about benchmarks and metrics and where to focus next. And so I might spend a little time on that, but in terms of for the 3.2 release, my main focus is just going to be polishing up object shapes until Christmas. Well, you obviously went to two conferences that are very well known in the Ruby community. And so I'm curious, did you take away any lessons from those two conferences that you're going to bring to RubyConf Mini? So the big one around single track, it's unfortunately too late. Andy Kroll had actually given me the advice. He'd said, hey, maybe you want to consider single track, but in trying to mimic RubyConf, I just did not listen to that. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's something I want to see more of, but won't apply to many. I think the buzz of excitement and energy and the way the days were laid out at Eureka were really positive. And I want to try and mimic that a bit in many. I think that's a big one for me. How have ticket sales been so far? They've been pretty good. We're in the low hundreds for number of registrants. What's interesting is, I don't know, I'm curious if you have thoughts here, Brittany. I don't know how to predict how that number is going to change over the next month. And we need to order things like food or swag or COVID tests. I think interestingly, there are quite a few people who have said they're coming, but I can see haven't bought tickets. So I don't, I, <laughs> I also don't bluff. know what that is. Yeah, That's really funny because you're right. Maybe they just assume that there's going to be a ticket there for them. And so I agree. There's definitely some urgency on both sides from the conference, but maybe people just believe that there's always going to be a space for them, which is kind of loving, but also like kind of maddening for an organizer, right? Yeah, yeah it definitely is. This episode is brought to you by Honey Badger. Did you know that Honey Badger status pages now come with incident management? As an engineering manager on a team who recently implemented an incident management process, I was super excited to hear this. Build confidence with a public status page that shows your live service status and incident history. The ability to bring your own domain is key here. Transparency inspires trust. When your next outage happens, communication is gonna be key. Alert your users of issues early and keep them updated as each incident unfolds with incident management. Plus, if you have scheduled maintenance, you can keep your users informed as your team works through the window. Head on over to honeybadger.io to learn more. I think the other big takeaway from Yuriko and Ruby Kaigi is how having more of these is a really positive thing for our community and being able to go to more of them. And I hope that more and more regional spin up even kind of one day 50 or 100 person single track regional conferences i would be really excited to see in the community do conferences invigorate you because admittedly i love them Gemma, but they tire me out hard are you getting better and better about staying energized going to these different conferences because that's a lot of travel for you yeah i think Personally, I love traveling and so traveling in and of itself energizes me. And then the conferences get me really excited about different things going on in the Ruby world and get me thinking in a wider way and reflecting outside of just my day-to-day work. There was a talk about JRuby that I have heard about in the past, but haven't really played around with. And so on the way back was poking my head in there a little. And I think for me, that kind of exposure is really positive and community building. And so I think especially One of the reasons they're so tiresome is the way we mostly structure them right now is they require huge amounts of travel. They disrupt people's a week for someone or something like that. Whereas if you had, say, a Pittsburgh.rb conf that was just one day, 
not a crazy amount of people, it wouldn't be so out of your routine that it would feel like this huge interruption. No, that's really fair. I mean, I'm just coming back from Rail Sass and it was absolutely wonderful. It was in Los Angeles, which was a far hike for me. Luckily, I found a direct flight from Pittsburgh to L.A. on both sides. So that was fortunate, even though I had to fly back on a red eye (laughs) the last day of the conference, which I mean, anybody who can sleep on a plane, I would pay a lot of money to have that skill because (laughs) I landed at 530 and I was like, oh, no. (laughs) The conference is wonderful. We started with a day of vacation, which I highly recommend. I normally would save the vacation day towards the end after the conference is over. But just because of timing, we did the vacation day first and we went horseback riding in the Hollywood Hills. Oh, nice. That was so fun. And like I came into the conference with just like a really positive energy and just felt a little acclimated. My favorite coffee place of all time, Phil's Coffee. Have you ever had Phil's? I'm absolutely obsessed. They put fresh mint in your coffee and the barista, like you watch them make your coffee in front of you, which is so fun. I went there four times over three days. Oh I mean, my I goodness. Went, <laughs> it was a hardcore It's a lot regular. of coffee. <laughs> well, it was even worse, Gemma, was I was buying two at a time. That's how much <laughs> I love it. So, <laughs> so in terms of being energized at a conference, I was very energized. And Andrew just pulled off like quite an amazing feat with this conference. I don't know how he did it. And he's gotten so many well-deserved accolades for it. But I left that conference super energized about rails and building businesses on rails. I was really excited about it. And I agree, we need more regional conferences like that just because I know it felt really special to be there. And I'm hoping that's the same vibe you got at your conferences as well. Yeah, the no sleep on the red eyes after that amount of coffee is starting to make sense. I would say, yes, I definitely felt that. What specifically did you love so much about RailsS? Yeah, I loved how he took a different approach to it. So like as the talks were starting, like it was all very much production. And Andrew specifically catered the conference to not be for the people who were there. If you were there, he was super appreciative. You obviously paid for a ticket to be there. And the conference was for you, but not really. The conference is for the people who are going to consume the content later. And so it's just so different to, and Gemma, I'm curious how you would react to this, like, He had a makeup artist on site and halfway through someone's conference talk, she would be watching from a screen outside of the room. She would come in and stop the person who was speaking and like freshen them up. And it was different because in some ways you could just see the speakers visibly relax over the fact that they've been given this like midway break and like they could joke around and like as she freshened them up, like it was just kind of like a reset. And you know how like you can get into a conference talk and it just feels like a rolling train, like you can't stop, like you kind of black out. It was just kind of nice that there was like that midway break and it was felt as the talk started, it was action and cut and just it felt very Hollywood. It felt like the glamour that we haven't had in quite some time in the Ruby on Rails community. (laughs) What did the speaker say about that? Did they enjoy it for the most part? Yeah, I think they really did. I will say the men who have never had makeup on before I think those were some of my favorite interactions because they would show up and Andrew told them like, hey, you're going to have makeup on. Like, don't worry about it. They seemed very apprehensive at first. And then like the makeup artists would do their makeup and you could just see them visibly get more confident. And so we had a photographer on site, too, and she was doing headshots. Mm -hmm. And so like you've just been preened. Now you can get your headshot. Now you're going to go and give this like amazing conference talk. And then as they came off stage. I was waiting for them. 
So I had a dedicated cameraman. Hi, Tim. And he would set up all the camera equipment and I would interview them as they came off stage. So the idea is, is that when the talks get published, the interviews that I did with the speakers, and it's usually things that they didn't get to in the talk or any sort of reaction that they got from the audience is going to get spliced into the conference talk itself. So it's just a really different approach. And I can't wait to see the finished product. Yeah, I'm excited to see it, too. Is the target audience folks who are already in the Ruby and Rails communities or is the target audience to bring in non-Rubyists? Yeah, that's a good question. And probably one for Andrew. But my guess is that he sees this as a marketing vehicle for Ruby on Rails so that when people come up with a great business idea, it is a no brainer that they build it on Rails. So it definitely would bring new people into the community and also probably retain the people that we already have. How were the talks themselves? What were highlights from that? Oh, my God. Saranya Barak gave a talk about personal security that was just absolutely chilling, Gemma. I cannot wait for you to see it. It's so, so good. So my best friend came with me to the conference and she stayed in my hotel. So I had a hotel wife for a couple of days and she and I went for a long walk after that day. And I spent probably an hour talking to her about that talk itself. It was just incredibly good. And then there were several people who gave talks about just their businesses of being a single founder who rolled their businesses on rails and just how profitable you can be and how tenacious you need to be in order to do it. It was really inspiring and it kind of gave you the vibe of like, what thing has always bothered me and how can I start building it now? So what are you going to build, Brittany? What should we be on the lookout for? (laughs) Jemma, that's so funny that you say that. I am just starting to work on an app now. I just started the Trello board yesterday. I'm going to start building out the features that I want to do. I'm not going to say quite yet on the show what I'm going to work on. But my boyfriend and I were talking about this because I was like, oh, I want to like try payments. I want to try teams. And he's like, hey, how about you build something that's useful to you? And then let's see from there. And he's totally right. I was definitely like trying to aim too high, but I have a personal thing that has always bothered me. So I'm going to start building the thing and see if it's useful to other people. Hmm. Are we allowed to make predictions as to what this is? Go ahead. (laughs) I don't know. I think it's, I've heard you talk about wanting to develop something in the fitness realm before. So my guess is that we're in this realm, but I don't know more specifically what personal problems you might be trying to solve. (laughs) We'll see. (laughs) This episode is also brought to you by Scout APM. Scout is an industry leader in application performance monitoring. This low overhead tool is designed to help Ruby developers find and fix performance issues. Scout's intuitive UI and tracing logic ties bottlenecks to specific lines of code and allows you to quickly pinpoint and resolve issues like N plus one queries, slow database queries, memory bloat, and more. Scout's unlimited seats and applications allow teams to collaborate without additional costs and makes it easy for any member of your team to become a performance pro. See for yourself why developers worldwide call Scout their best friend with a free 14-day trial, no credit card needed. As a special offer for Ruby on Rails listeners, Scout will donate $5 to the open source project of your choice when you deploy. Learn more at scoutapm.com slash Ruby on Rails. So I wanted to ask you about RubyConf Mini's location. It'll be in the hotel. So in the Omni Providence Hotel. Gotcha. Okay. Because at one point, I wasn't sure if you were thinking about having it at the university. I know that you do have a keynote speaker from the university. Yes. The reason it's 
in Providence to begin with is that was where we started was trying to see if we could have it on a university campus. But because they're in session at that time, giving up the lecture halls is a little hard to do. I think schedules for university lecture halls are a little cramped to begin with. And then to try to take one or two for a full day or three full days is a little not so feasible. But I will say if folks are looking to start up 100 day conferences, when I was talking to folks on campus, they said if it was over the summer, that would have been totally fine. What do you have left to do in order to get this conference to happen? I just imagine there's just so many little things that are left to do as you ramp up to the final days. Yeah. So there are definitely lots of last minute logistics and making sure things are happening and people know where they're supposed to be and the details and all those kinds of things. I'm really grateful to have two co-organizers and then so much help organizing specific panels and dinners and things like that, but kind of syncing them all up and making sure everything will be running smoothly. I think it's a lot of people, a lot of speakers, a lot of attendees. And so making sure everyone feels like they're comfortable coming and know what to expect and excited about it. And all of those things are really what the last minute details boil down to. Awesome. Well, before we wrap up, I did want to talk about another Ruby 3.2 feature that is headed our way. And Brandon Weaver, and I'll link this up in the show notes, just did a really great recap as to what data.define is. Yeah, And so this was shipped by Victor Shepelev. Hopefully I said that right. But basically creates an immutable struct-like type, which can be initialized with either positional or keyword arguments. So Gemma, do you think this is something that you might reach for instead of struct? Yeah, so I actually haven't followed this closely at all. So I'm curious to instead flip the question on you and see I haven't read what Brandon said about it or read the PRs to implement it yet. I'm excited to do that, but I don't think I know enough about it yet. Okay, so I would definitely use this instead of struct, even though you can definitely use struct still. And I think struct is a really nice thing to reach out to when needed if you need something a bit more patterned. But I like the data is stricter and the values it produces are immutable. And with the advent of, you know, I think we're getting more functional programming in Ruby, which I think is great. That's going to help us just make things faster and more concurrent. It's nice to have that as an option. Now, the thing that I had to immediately say to myself, because we use DryRB so heavily at TextDesk, I knew the first reaction of my coworkers will be like, well, why aren't you using DryRB? That's like kind of the purpose of using Dry is to create those kinds of monads and structures so that way you can force which keywords you're initializing. And what's really cool is one of the creators of Dry tweeted out, and I'll link this in the show notes, that they're actually going to refactor Dry to use data.define. It just feels, Gemma, like this is the community agreeing on a solution and everybody working towards it. It does sound that way for sure. And I'm looking forward to reading more about it. Another thing I want to plug here is whenever there are new features like this, it makes for great talks or great opportunity to produce content. Because people are looking to learn about it and learn use cases. And so if you're like, hey, I want to give a talk and I want to kind of do some research or learn about something new to give it, I would definitely suggest looking into data define. I couldn't agree with that more because I see people say, hey, you should just read the docs. But I think we're looking for the human aspect of it as well. Brandon does a really good job of explaining why you would use data define and the different community reactions to it and why you wouldn't just use struct. And those are things that you're not necessarily going to find in the docs. And so I want to agree with Gemma there as well. 
just because you didn't write it doesn't mean that you can't talk about it. And I'm sure the people who wrote it appreciate that you're pushing the, the features that they wrote. Gemma, you can agree with me. It takes a lot to put together a feature either for Rails or Ruby. And I'm sure you would be absolutely thrilled if people wrote documentation about object shapes, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I can think of so many good talks that I've seen in the past that do some version of this, right? Just describe a really cool feature, a new feature or something that folks haven't seen before. Awesome. Well, Gemma, I cannot wait to see you in November at RubyConf Mini. We will link in the show notes. Listeners, if you're going to go to RubyConf Mini and you've told Gemma that you're going, <laughs> go ahead, buy your ticket. Don't lead her on. <laughs> or just told the universe, told the Twitterverse. <laughs> I see you. Exactly. Because Gemma and I want to see you in person and we can't wait to see you all. Yes, I'm very, very much looking forward. And I'm so excited for the talks we have too. So it should be a really good conference. Me too. Well, I will talk to you soon, Gemma. Always great to chat with you. All right. Have a lovely day. You too. You've been listening to the Ruby on Rails podcast. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded to stay in the loop on Ruby on Rails and open source software. While you're at it, please leave us a review. And thank you for listening. <laughs>